somewhere close by, there are lots and lots of time lots. The house, what's the house? We walk on his back, breathe his air, eat his food. And do my will. The little boxes will make you angry. Open this door! Why shouldn't I just kill you now? The universe we're in will reach absolute zero in three hours. Safe as relative. Goodbye, Time Lord. Goodbye, little humans. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to welcome everybody to the episode, to the show. We're glad that you're here. We hope that this can be a brief interlude of your day where we sit and talk and discuss Doctor Who. So again, I'm Kyle Jones, and I would like to welcome my two co-hosts, starting with Clarence Brown. Clarence, how goes the day? Yo, it goes and it goes and it goes. Uh, I'm doing well, man. Uh, glad to be on, as always, to talk about this episode. So, yeah, ready to get into it, dude. How awesome. about you guys? Awesome. Lee Shackelford, I want to ask you, how goes the day? Not bad. Not bad. So, we're, we're at an interesting time. We're, we're actually recording this on election night. So, uh, we, 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 we had discussed, uh, I'm just saying this for everybody else's benefit. I know you know. That um, we had said, do we want to, you know, not do a discussing who this week or? Yeah. And we all agreed. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 do something fun. So here we are. And interestingly enough, we're recording. And that's why I said, you know, I hope this is an interlude for everyone listening, because literally it's an interlude for us, because there's a certain anxiety, regardless of which side of the aisle that you're on, if you're in America, or if you're in any election, if you're listening to us and you're not in America, I'm sure that anywhere that you have an election, regardless which side you're on, when that results is coming in and you're not seeing it final yet, that's anxiety time. But you know what? We have Doctor Who, and that takes away some anxiety. I don't really have any news except I want to make one correction of something that I said, I think, two episodes ago. I made a reference several times to the music being played in the background was by, of course, Murray Gold, but it was, as I was referencing the the wedding of River Song, I was wrong. The music is actually the majestic tale of a madman in a box. The Wedding of River Song, beautiful music, but it was not what I thought was in the background. Again, that was the majestic tale of a madman in a box. So, gentlemen. You've got to do corrections. That, it yes. keeps us honest. Because, uh, yeah, when, when I go back and listen to these episodes so many times, I hear myself say something. I think, what? That's not. Oh, <laughs> oh well. So, what do you hear <laughs> yourself say? Anything in particular? <laughs> Uh, it's never the same thing, but it's just like, uh, no, that's that's not right. I, 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 I think the most recent one was I was asking you about um, Secret Service agents, and I said, what branch of the government, you know, are, are do they answer to? Well, I don't mean branch. I mean, there's only three. I, what what I meant was department. Anyway, mm. you know, but stuff like that. But at least you're consistent. And I can say, you know, when you do say <laughs> something, I will say this. You always say Something nice. Okay. <laughs> oh, I told it's you I needed an interlude. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Since I've had my fun here, I want to ask you guys, before we move on into the review, do either of you have anything else before we move on? Not really, but I will give a call to action to people listening right now. You can support the show by subscribing, leaving a review or telling a friend. If you have a review idea or you just want to comment and tell us how we're right or wrong, because mm-hmm. Cal, you know, need a little bit of errata up top, you can send it <laughs> into discussingwho at gmail.com or hit us up at discussing who on any and all of the social medias. Yeah. And if you are joining us for the first time, welcome aboard. This this may seem a little uh, uh, scattered or weird, but uh, we, we do actually have a, 
a plan and we, we, <laughs> we try to we <laughs> despite appearances we we actually do have a an outline and a schedule and all that stuff but uh mm-hmm. in any case we we're, we're grateful that you uh you 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 chose to download this podcast because you didn't have to very well so said thank you very much yeah and you know what? I love the way you said that we have a plan because longtime listeners will know that I love weaving things into our podcast episodes. So I've been weaving. I'm just going to say right here, I've been weaving. So if you know and you're a longtime fan and know how I like weaving, if you know what I'm weaving, send us some feedback and say, I know what you're doing and I know what you're building toward. So just FYI, send us some feedback and let us know if you've caught on to what I'm doing. So that being said, I the think weaving is why the cops pulled you over, wasn't it? <laughs> I wasn't drinking. I was, oh, I was, you know, whatever. Um, but I do know this. I do know that I can at this point say, if you have not seen The Doctor's Wife, Put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review The Doctor's Wife. This is the fourth episode of the 2011 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 14th of May 2011. It starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor, Karen Gillan as Amy Pond, and Arthur Darville as Rory Williams. I will also add that it added Saran Jones, and I hope I'm saying her name correctly, as Idris slash the TARDIS. Some review. Lee Shackelford, I'll start with you. What did you think of this episode? Oh, this is one of my all-time favorites, and I just watched it again today, and I enjoyed it as much as ever. It just never gets old. I, I, I just I just love this episode, so that that sums it up for me. Awesome. Clarence, what say ye? Uh, this one definitely falls into that Matt Smith pure fun type of episode. Um, I felt like it was interesting in the fact that much of the episode we were talking to a disembodied voice. And I, I found it interesting how they made that work and still made it exciting. Um, so I really like that as well. And, you know, just the backstory we get of, of the TARDIS and a glimpse into a piece of history. Uh, or a piece of the doctor's history through dialogue that just put us kind of in those moments. So, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it, man. What about you? You know, there's times where you watch a Doctor Who episode and you just feel like they hit all the points and they hit them correctly and spot on and it just worked. And this is one of those episodes for me that I think they did exactly what I just described. It was something that changed canon a little bit, meaning in a sense of some of the revelations that the TARDIS had that made it look like it was a new light that you, at least for me, saw it in a different perspective. But yet it didn't give a shock to your system to where you're going, no, 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 I don't like this. I just loved the way it was done. I loved the whole concept. It was fun, like you said, Clarence. Uh, Lee, everything you said I agree with. I just think this was spot on, an awesome, awesome episode. And I'm going to segue into our next section by saying that this is written by Neil Gaiman. And I know him first from being, you know, a comic book writer where he has written most notably the Sandman series from DC's Vertigo imprint. So curious, other than this episode of Doctor Who, do either of you have any other exposure to Neil Gaiman? Yeah, I had read uh, a number of his uh, short stories and uh, um, it was sort of, I don't know, I I had so many friends who were so enthusiastic about him. And I I remember that after reading some of his his shorter work, thinking, eh, you know, I just didn't get into it. And and I felt the same way about Sandman. And uh I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't in the right place for it because uh, 
something happened, and I think it was watching this episode, uh, that really made me reappraise him. And um, now, <laughs> one of my favorite things ever is uh, the uh, is the story Good Omens, um, which is a, a great book and makes a, an amazing miniseries starring you know, the 10th Doctor. David Tennant, yes, as a demon from hell, and Michael Sheen as an angel from heaven. And that's Michael Sheen as the voice of House in this episode. Really? So, yeah. Huh. So so that it all ties together. Yeah. But uh, so if you're not familiar with Good Omens, cannot recommend highly enough. Just just fabulous. Um, Neil Gaiman will be asked back to write another episode of Doctor Who. And we'll talk about that when it happens. Mm, yes. But so, my tone of voice should tell you. Mm, yeah. Well, sometimes you, you know, ha- ha- have a habit of hitting it out of the ballpark. And sometimes you have a fly ball. Maybe. How, how, how was somebody supposed to follow this episode up? I, th- that would be my defense. I would say, oh, top that. The only other thing that I am familiar with his work, and this is indirectly i suppose familiar there is a tv show that was on i think amc but i'm not sure may have been on stars called american gods and that is based off of a book that neil gaiman wrote so um i want to ask you guys since we're talking about gaiman or we just talked about him you know this is someone who is a non-traditional TV writer up until American Gods came along, or the, and it, and I don't think he's writing it. It's just based off of his work. What do you guys think of having someone who is like an author coming in and writing for Doctor Who? Is it something that you're on board for? And Lee, I'll I'll point this one to you first. Do you like that concept of bringing in someone who's non-traditional television? writer to write for television yeah i really do it would be it would be hypocritical for me not to um one of the things that we've always you know i mean i'm a i'm a literal lifelong trekkie uh one of the things that we brag about about the original series is that it had episodes written by short story writers and novelists like uh, george clayton johnson and theater sturgeon and harlan ellison for god's sake you know uh, it it's one of the things that made the show what it was. And, um, yeah, a lot of those people had never written for television before. Um, the Twilight Zone um, did very much the same thing. And uh, you can look at the results of that, too. Uh, Rod Serling would uh, would get, sign, you know, uh, short story writers. And, um, yeah, even if they didn't really know a lot about TV. And, uh, and it worked. So, yeah. Cool. So I want to ask this question to Clarence is there anyone that you are a fan of their writing and it could be in you know book it could be in uh, American television writing or it could be in comics or anything that you are a fan of or that you could think hmm I would like to see them write Doctor Who and then I'll point it back to you Lee oh man nobody off the top of my head I'm not a huge literary nut so um, yeah, nobody really off the top of my head. I know there's been a bunch of good, um, Star Trek Discovery novels that I've read that I thought would make good episodes, but you know, uh, nobody, no one person I could think of, think off the top of my head that I just would want to be in Doctor Who. Yeah, same here, but I'm curious, Lee, do you have anybody? People who write for other media that I'd like to see write a Doctor Who. Yes. Said, so, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's that's an interesting question, and I I really don't have a good answer for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, the the it's funny that that who jumps to my mind is the uh, the comic book uh, writer and artist uh, John Byrne, um, who for a while I used to say he was my favorite science fiction writer um, during his glory days on the Fantastic Four. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, how about you? Uh, you know what? I love the the John Byrne because I will say that the the best Fantastic Four I think happened under Byrne's run. And no offense to you know Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, right. but <laughs> if you read the Fantastic Four in order, you know, like 
get uh, the Marvel Comics Unlimited app and read it in order, you can feel the maturity of the story change when Byrne takes over. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I think you you are spot on. You know, I, I'm going to be meta here for a moment. Uh, and I don't know if meta is the right word, but it works for me. But I, I would like to see two writers that I know in audio team up for a awesome or an awesome episode of Doctor Who. But I know that they do not traditionally hire writers outside the UK for the most part. But if Wibbly Wobbly happened, I wouldn't mind seeing an episode written by Lee Shackelford and Shannon Perry. Sure. That would be fun. We'd be all over that. <laughs> Although, you know, I think we, uh, I, and I'll ask this as a question to Shannon because I know she, she listens to the show, but wouldn't you, wouldn't you hope that what we'd write would be this episode? You know? Um, I don't know. It's just that. Except, of course, for the problem that it already exists. But yeah. <laughs> anyway. And Neil Gaiman yeah. wrote it. Yeah, all the ideas in this episode, man, they they really go for it. Mm. It's they just, really, and I, I tell me, stop me, Kyle, if we're jumping the gun, but there are there are firsts in this episode that Neil Gaiman gets to to add some things to the the canon. Um, possibly the most significant, which of which is uh, this uh, remark that gets uh, almost tossed off casually about the Corsair as a uh, a time lord that the doctor used to know and um uh, the doctor says that um sometimes the corsair was male and sometimes female yeah, yeah. and he yes. says you know she she was a bad girl um and so he he changes pronouns in the middle of that sentence and yeah we hadn't really entertained that notion before Mm-mm. so um, it's funny because you you're right on script as going into that because that was the next thing on my list and i wanted to ask you guys when you watched it or can you remember hearing that and going hmm okay you know or what were your thoughts or, or, was, or did you even you know was it inconsequential when you first heard it and clarence you know i'll ask you that first what were your thoughts of hearing this revelation for the first time so for me, when I initially watched this, it totally went over my head. Um, I just didn't even think twice about it. You know, it really didn't enter my psyche, I guess. But it seems like later on, when we start getting more hints uh, of there may be a female doctor, and I'm thinking more of Capaldi era, um, it definitely was at more in the social and public forefront of th- it might be a possibility. You know, I think at that point we as a and maybe that we were thinking about it during this time too, but I think definitely in the Capaldi era, by the end of it, we were thinking more of, you know, who's going to be female doctor next. So that was kind of in our head as we're here. It just kind of just totally, totally went over me. I didn't even blink. <laughs> uh, what about you guys? Lee? Yeah. I think inconsequential is close to the way I remember it, that I, I remember uh, smiling at the idea that the, uh, this time Lord had been sometimes male and sometimes female. And I thought, well, actually there'd be no reason why that wouldn't happen a lot. Huh? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I just took that in and <laughs> I've never, ever questioned it since. And then, uh, obviously later on in the series, we'll start, uh, really committing to that, start taking that much more, more seriously and really folding it into the canon. So, uh, do you remember your reaction to hearing that the first time? Yeah, I'm kind of right on board with you guys. I mean, I, I paid attention to it. And, you know, I think I'll even go so far as to go a little bit further with what Clarence said, as I really didn't pay it that much attention the first time through because, and I don't want to, this to sound sexist, but at that time, I never would have dreamed that the doctor would ever not be a man. You had had 11 doctors at that time, and they had all been men. And it was just, at for me at that time, a given that the doctor would always be a man. You know, I know that that's not the case anymore, and I'm not, and that's fine. But watching it the first time through, it was like, oh, okay, so, so what? Okay, cool. Uh, it connected to this is this thing about um, the doctor knows this other Time Lord as the, the Corsair. And 
it suggests after we've we we are aware of the doctor and the master and the corsair that maybe time lords always have a a title that they give themselves um we we've 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 seen i mean uh, romana doesn't she's not the romana uh so is it a guy thing uh <laughs> what's up with that but sometimes yeah. the corsair wasn't a guy so yeah but I, but I, I like Gaiman sort of uh, trying to cre- cre- keep some continuity with that. But um, maybe though that she was the Fred. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to make that fit somehow. But she was the Fred. The Fred. Um, I totally don't get it. <laughs> we need to. We need to watch more. Yeah, of, uh, we do. Romano stories together. So, in a nutshell, Clarence, when the Doctor first met. And Lee, you say her name so well, so if you would like to say her full name. Romana Trevelunder. And she insisted basically that he not call her Romana or 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 that she say, you know, shorten her name. He basically says, you know, uh, I'm going to call you Fred. And then she says, call me Romana or something like that. He says it's either Romana or Fred. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, there's so much, obviously, about the TARDIS in this episode, but... um, because we get to talk to the TARDIS for the first time. Uh, so obviously that's a first here. The only other time that we've been outside the console room in the new series is now, uh, with the sole exception of the doctor choosing, uh, his outfit at the end of runaway bride. Mm-hmm. And this is only the first time in the new series that we see two control rooms. Yeah, we awesome. did. We did see it in um, in the classic series. Yes. Ian? Before we get inside the TARDIS and talk to the TARDIS, I want to talk about three other characters, and I want to get your opinions on them real quick. Aunt, our aunt, uncle, and nephew. And Clarence, in, in, in a whole, any thoughts on aunt, uncle, and nephew? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. If, <laughs> I thought they were all interesting. Now, I think my my position on those three and maybe nephew a little bit less and and all weighted on Idris. Uh, So why do we see auntie and uncle basically in shambles, no having to be repaired, um, but by house, but Idris and nephew other than nephews, you know, his ood communicator being jammed or whatever but he just seems like she's perfectly fine physically i mean we get the impression by the end that the house is keeping her alive but i don't know if we get a clear indication of like what is actually wrong with her Mm. yeah i didn't get that you know and honestly as many times as i've watched this and this is what i love about doing this podcast i never asked myself that question I just assumed that she was the vessel. I never asked myself that question. I love that. Um, the aunt and uncle irritated me. You know, the, the, the whole house is going to take care of you. You got to love house and all that. They just seemed so irritating to me. But, uh, the Idris character, I, I just felt like she was the vessel that, that was there and she couldn't look like, auntie and uncle because you didn't want her to not be almost perfect mm-hmm. yeah mm. yeah i see that i i remember having that thought seeing it the first time is that um wow it's an interesting coincidence that this that the the pretty girl gets to be the tardis uh <laughs> so yeah it, and so that that's that perhaps strains at credibility a little bit um but we do know that she hasn't well it seems like she hasn't been there as long as uh, auntie and uncle. Uh, okay. uh, and, and so that they, they, they choose these names for themselves. And that suggests, um, you know, and the same thing's true of the Ood that he gets to be nephew. Um, but that's, that's all we know. Yeah. So what were your thoughts and Lee, I'll point this one to you first. What were your thoughts of these boxes? You know, I've got mail basically, and we get this AOL throwback and, <laughs> the 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 concept of thinking for just a moment that there are some other time lords out there. Did you think there were other time lords, or you think uh, that was just like a red herring? Well, I 
the, the script dispenses with that idea pretty early on. So we don't have to sustain it for too long, but I, uh, I, I, I just love that. Uh, it, it really is a great way of drawing the doctor into this because we know that, uh, that's something he would really want to pursue. You want to find, uh, find other time Lords. So it really works. And we don't get time to really dwell on how disappointing that is until the end of the episode when the doctor says, you gave me hope and then you took it away. That's uh, enough to make anyone dangerous. God knows what it'll do to me. Mm-hmm. And he's not kidding. It's like that really hurt. Now let me get you back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, um, for all of us fans of the classic series, if you, um, you know, if, if you if your head is full of uh, trivia from, <laughs> about classic series the fact that the message is a, a glowing white cube it just delights you because we we've seen that before at the end of war games and that's how the doctor get, sends out sort of his uh his distress signal to the time lords interesting yeah and it looks a little different because now we've kind of come up with this design that's a gallifrey alphabet but um the one that he makes in um um, war games is just six squares. Looks like squares of paper, but he folds them up into a cube and it magically stays together <laughs> like that. And then it lights up. And, you know, th- so that's a, we, we've established that as a time Lord technology. And, uh, it was, you know, it's great. Great to see that. again. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me on that one, didn't the cube have, the Corsair symbol on it, or was I just, well, am I just seeing it wrong? No, I thought it definitely had the Corsair signal on it. Like, it, was it a snake? or a, Yeah, like a snake yeah. eating its mm-hmm. tail or something. Right, exactly. So that made me think, like, do all the Time Lords have their own symbols as well? And mm-hmm. if so, what's the Doctor's spirit animal or spirit guide? Right. Well, uh, we, we've seen um, him um, use those uh, Greek letters as uh, Theta Sigma. And um, in um, I can never remember the names of Dalek stories. What's the one that that we reviewed? Where they're in 1963 at the uh, Remembrance Island. of the Dalek. It's Remembrance of the Daleks, of course, with the baseball bat of Rassilon. Yes. That's what I would call it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but um, <laughs> by the way, there's there's a new Ace action figure, and I'm disappointed because she's she one of her accessories is what appears to be an anti tank gun. I don't. I, I'll have to watch those episodes again but i really wanted her to have the baseball bat but anyway um but yeah in, in that uh, episode we see briefly the doctor has a, a calling card and it's got a, a symbol on it so it's um it's not something that was ever pursued later in the in the series but anyway but yeah i need to look at that again because i also thought that it was the um the the snake eating its tail there's a name for that a rubberous or um anyway snake eating his tail and uh but it could have been just that that circle that's part of gallifreyan writing so need to look at that again well something that we can't look at and clarence i want to ask you about this one first we heard but we couldn't see house thoughts of house and i'm not talking about the tv show uh that was a doctor <laughs> he'd make a good doctor <laughs> yes i've always wished that hugh laurie had been a doctor that's true so what did you think of the creature known as house uh, i think it was very interesting and like lee mentioned he had the perfect plan to lure time lords to his island uh, planet whatever it is whatever you call it to um to steal i guess he's just stealing their tardis energy is like what it what count kind of what he did is his thing um so i think he you know that was a perfect plan to get time lords there to do that i really like that concept a little bit creepy on you know we talked about auntie and uncle a little bit creepy how he's just sustaining them um so i thought his character was pretty interesting almost playful in his um and when i said playful i mean that he's, he's joking with the doctor and amy and rory should i kill you you know that type of playful if if you can call that playful so i, I found it all interesting and, and i liked how they made it work when it's this character that we never really see so and and to me a lot of things that made that work for this episode is you know excellent acting from 
from our, our main cast, as well as a good score to make all those moments of where, you know, we're just listening to the voice. It made it all still feel exciting and interesting. And yeah, um, felt almost like a godlike voice, but, you know, uh, playful with his minions, I would say. But I enjoyed all that. Yeah, I think you you hit it spot on. That's the perfect casting for the voice of House because my voice would not work for the voice of House. The two of your voices would work for the voice of House because <laughs> you know no 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 seriously, bear with me because I have I don't have the the deepness of the voice that both of you can project. So I wouldn't sound menacing, whereas that that rich Barrett, you know, bass that was in the actor, the way they portrayed House added to the whole environment that was them either on the planet or be, you know, the planetoid or when he took over the TARDIS itself. That voice was part of what sold it. Lee, what do you think? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I agree completely. And, and, um, I don't think Michael Sheen sounds like that either. So that's why I was surprised to see that in the closing title. I was like, that was Michael Sheen. Um, so, you know, they're, they're doing some, they're doing some compression and, and, uh, reverb with him. Oh, well, for that matter, <laughs> but, uh, then I can sound. Exactly. But yeah, he, he does, he does have a marvelous, marvelous voice. So it's, it's still, a. Uh, wonderful casting. And, uh, and as Clarence said, you, it, the, the voice acting here calls for someone to understand that house, um, is immensely powerful, um, and bored and hungry. And yeah, it, it leads you to, to jerking people around. And that's, so that's what he does. I, this time it struck me that, uh, after we've, we've seen, after we've, we've come to know kind of House's personality, if you will, when um, he asks Rory and Amy, why shouldn't I kill you right now? What Rory comes up with is, don't you, you that would be too fast, right? Don't you want to, um, you know, drag it out? But re- I don't think I ever remember thinking this before. I thought, well, that is exactly the wrong thing to say to somebody <laughs> like House. What, yeah, why don't you torture us for a while first? Like, Rory. <laughs> In torture, he did. That's what I was he about did. to say. What did you guys think of the torture? And take it in any direction you want to go there. What did you think of the torturing? It's the part of this episode that I that I, I don't think about. When I think about it, of course, what I think about is Idris. But, uh, uh, and you kind of have to wonder if that isn't what would happen to an ordinary person who's just wandering in the tardis corridors anyway you know the 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 inside of the tardis is insane from our point of view i mean if i don't know (laughs) i guess i can't commit to that because we know that lots and lots of people have been in the tardis and and they're they're okay um but um yeah it's just it it is it is a mad place and uh uh, he he all he has to do is take advantage of that get inside their heads yes yes agreed I, I will say that the torture scenes to me were, and again, marvelous acting by oh. the cast, but it really felt horror for me. Yeah. You know, we, Lee, you've referred to, you know, some of the eras back in the seventies as being more horror genre Doctor Who. This to me was a little reminiscent of that because the finding the skeleton of Rory was, you know, straight up horror. Yeah, Rory dies again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, well, and before that is old Rory. And really, before we even have time to ask ourselves, well, how could he have stayed alive in that corridor? I mean, he would have starved to death a long time ago, you know. But even before we have a chance to think that far, he's, uh, you know, lunging at Amy and uh, screaming about how there the the things in his head come for him and they won't leave him alone. It, it, that's that's the thing that I just find the most uh, horrifying. And then, yeah. 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 I, I loved how they could have done so many things with making Amy scared in that moment. Mm-hmm. But but they chose to use the elements which Doctor Who, the show, is known for. They chose to use time to make that mm-hmm. jump or make that scary. 
and some spatial things as well when they're rounding the corners. So I thought using time and space in that horror-esque scene made it all the better. So I really love that. Awesome. Awesome. So before I get into the ultimate demise of house, I want to save that demise toward the, until toward the end. But where I want to go next is Idris and talk about how this character is basically or becomes the TARDIS. And Clarence, I'll start with you. When did you realize that this was the TARDIS? And what was your thoughts of this character? Uh, I think that I re- realized it pretty quickly. I don't know if that's just me remembering the episode, but I realized it pretty quickly. I w- was wondering a little bit, like, okay, is the soul of the TARDIS, like, is it Artron energy? Is that what the soul of the TARDIS is made from? I guess it doesn't matter for this episode. But as far as what I thought of the character, I thought all of it was great. I thought it was great. Think of having somebody be a fly on a wall with you for your entire life or for most of your life. Um, you know, I'm trying to think for an American guy with a muscle car, it might be his car. You know, I guess you can use a bunch of things for this. But, um, you know, just this inanimate object that you have this affection for, you know, we name our cars, you know, um, something that you really have that affection for that's been with you through the years. You know, it talks back to you now. <laughs> and and it just all the moments between uh, Idris and the doctor, some just great lines thrown in there, some great quotes um, that really solidify the relationship that is the doctor and the TARDIS. Um, so I just love to see that character. She actually reminded me a lot of how Jodie Whittaker plays the doctor um, in the way she attempts to drum up that Matt Smith type of energy. I think she does mm-hmm. it in a similar way to the way Jodie Whittaker does it. Um, so I, I like seeing that as well. So yeah, just love the character, love the character. And yeah, just uh, what do you guys think? Lee? That, that, that's a very interesting observation because I had read just today that Sir Ann Jones was, um, uh, she was directed to play Idris uh, like Matt Smith's doctor. Oh, huh. So good catch. Because yeah, that that's uh, a lot of what uh, what she's doing. Um, my wife and I've been enjoying watching uh, the series Scott and Bailey, and um, uh, where they're cops. And I I I kept squinting at this this woman <laughs> show. And yeah, watching the doctor's wife today, I said that's Sir Ann Jones. That's that's her in uh, Scott and Bailey. Um, and I did not remember this at all until looking it up. But we've already seen her in the Doctor Who universe. She's in an episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures where she is the Mona Lisa. She's mm. Mm. Giaconda. Yeah. And it's it's called the Mona Lisa. But yeah, that that's Saran Jones anyway. But but here she is, and it's just a, it's an unforgettable script and an unforgettable performance. Um yeah. and to me, I think the most wonderful thing about it is that from the very beginning, we see, even while she's still trying to figure out how to express it, even how words work, um, she loves him. Yeah. And and it's and the last thing she says, you know, at the end is, I love you. Um, and I guess we've always known that, but never expected to hear the TARDIS say it. But just think about the concept, and this is why I think this episode went so well received by the fans you took i mean just think of somebody sitting down to write a story of doctor who and they take something that has been with us since an unearthly child and add a layer to it that kind of repositions in your mind all these stories from classic who when they never went where the doctor thought that they, you know, they wanted to go here and they wind up there and everything was by chance. And then you realize at now, based on the doctor's wife, maybe all these things weren't by chance. They were actually being taken where they needed to go, not where they wanted to go. I, I, I think that is just, just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant and love it. 
Yeah, it really is. And I, I, we know that one of the reasons why Neil Gaiman was, you know, uh, jumped to the chance to write for the show is because he's a lifelong fan that he, he's always loved the show. So uh, you have to think that he's been thinking about these kinds of things for a long time, that, that for some reason the TARDIS takes him to where he needs to be, um, whether that's where he wanted to be or not. And, yeah. and the idea we've always known, we've known for a long time, I should say that the doctor stole that. Thing. Yeah. And, and part of Gaiman's idea is that it was, it was mutual. Yeah. So good. So good. Oh uh, man. And it, 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 it just like, just like the, uh, you know, I took you where you needed to go thing that makes so much sense. Yeah. And what a lovely idea. So there is, and this is Moffat's writing, but we have an episode later in Moffat's tenure that he does something with inserting a character into the Doctor's timeline that says, D don't choose that one, choose this one. The navigation's knackered, but you'll have a lot more fun. Doesn't that kind of take away from the Doctor's wife statement right there? Yep. And that really bugged me at the time. It did me too. Yeah. I said, don't, no, no, no. I prefer the doctor's wife version of this and leave it alone. Say that yeah. again. I, I, say that again, Cal. Like what, what did you say? So there was this character that some people really, really like that inserted themselves on the doctor's timeline, specifically at this point, oh. the first doctor and says, don't choose that one. Choose this one. The navigation system's knackered, but you will have a but but you'll have a lot more fun. Uh, mm, okay, <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but okay. Yeah, and and it's still possible that you know the the TARDIS is uh, somehow responsible for that. Yeah, because you know, that's what the TARDIS wants anyway. But uh, it, yeah. it was a cool moment, for, you know, later in this episode that we're referring to. It was a cool moment to see, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I thought it was very cool. But I'm like what you said, Lee. I like this version better. Yeah, you know. But like you said, also maybe the TARDIS made itself known to this other person so that they would say, "Oh, well, you'll have a lot more fun with this one." So who knows? Let's get up to. We've talked about the horror aspects. We talked about House in particular. I want to get up to the point of the escape, I will call it, building the new mini control room and getting back into the shell of the TARDIS itself. And Clarence, I'll go with you first because my brain's getting tired. It's been a long day, so I don't remember who I pointed to when, but I'm going to say to Clarence, I'll point this to you first. Yeah, such a such a fun idea on capitalizing on the concept of drawing all these time lords into this rock um, that's in some other dimension or space. I can't remember what they use in the episode, but it, using that concept of having all these time lords come here to feed the TARDIS energy to the to house, but then you have all these TARDIS parts left over, and I just thought that was a wonderful way to incorporate you know, that into the story and just allowing them to build a new piece of or assemble a piece of tech that can get them to the next, the next, um, the next part of the story. So I, I thought all that was, was pretty cool. It was cool seeing the TARDIS graveyard in which was TARDI in all shapes and sizes. And also I'll mention real quick before I throw it to you guys. I liked how we got on the planet initially, the way that spaceship and I'm assuming it may have been a TARDIS too. I don't know. But the way it was like uh, wedged into the rock, it reminded me a lot how the Transformer base is on the original Transformer cartoon. That's what it reminded me of. So. <laughs> and that could be deliberate. Yeah. <laughs> Let me say this before I forget it. It looked to me more like one of the big um, Empire ships from Star Wars. Yeah. Yep. The Star yeah, Destroyer. Yeah. 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 I thought that too. All right, Lee, what was your thought about that? Oh, I just, well, a, a graveyard of ships or a junkyard um, is going to make me happy as a fan of classic who, because where else have we seen a graveyard of spaceships ah. but, uh, <laughs> back on the brain of Morbius? Yeah. And, uh, and of course the story begins in a junkyard, doesn't it? Mm hmm. So that's lovely too. 
but it's a uh, it's a great it's a great twist in the plot because they're marooned there. It's hopeless. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There is a way out of it. We can make our own. Well, we can make part of it. Um, my understanding is that on the uh, the kids show um, Blue Peter, which has always had a symbiotic relationship with Doctor Who, there was a contest to design a uh, a console for uh, the TARDIS, and um, the 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 thing that they built is was the winner. They 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 built this uh, um, this kid's design of what a oh the TARDIS control room might look like at some point in the future. So nice, yeah. So that's the same way we got the Absorbaloff. Yep. So um, I like this one much better. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So we we referred to briefly, we're talking about control rooms. You know, we referred to briefly earlier going into the ninth, tenth Doctor control room. And I'll just say I thought that was so freaking awesome. That was cool. Yeah, it really yeah. is fun because you, you're, you're thinking, well, wait a minute. She just told him she was going to bring back one of the control rooms. How are they going to do that? Yeah. Oh, they've still got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah. And you know, my, my wife and I got to clamber around a little bit on the, uh, um, uh, on both of those, uh, pieces of both of those sets because they were in the, uh, the doctor who exhibition. Mm. So, um, yeah, they, they, they kept, uh, they kept a lot of that. I mean, you know, usually when a, when a TV show has changed a, you know, a major location like that, you, you push the rest of it in the, into the dumpster. Um, storage is expensive, <laughs> but, um, they, yeah, I, I can vouch for, and, and so can anybody else who's been to the Dr. Who exhibition that they, they kept a lot of that stuff. I think the um, BBC learned their lesson with Dr. Who in the early seventies about dumpstering and wiping Dr. Who, anything related to Dr. Who. Yeah. How they, how they must have repented. Of <laughs> Let's not quite throw that away. So, yeah, I, w- just watching that moment, I was remembering that when uh, Karen and I were at the exhibition, that there was a moment where uh, we have been sort of, um, you know, playing around the parts that you could get to of uh, that, uh, uh, the, the Ninth Doctor's TARDIS. And uh, I, I, my head was just spinning, you know, <laughs> it was just amazing to be that close to all that stuff. And I was kind of walking backwards, like somebody in a horror movie. <laughs> and I bumped into something and just kind of, went, oh, you know, and I, I walked away. And Karen said, wow, that's really cute, this yellow car. You know, she had no idea. <laughs> and I turned around and went, uh, oh, yeah, there's a, oh, oh, it's Bessie. Okay. That's funny. That's <laughs> not just a yellow car. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so talk about, yeah, talk about things they've hung on to. Speaking of hanging on to, you know, the house entity hangs on to the Idris body that's dying at this point, and they go back into the main control room at as it looked at the time. Any thoughts, and Clarence, I'll start with you this time. Any thoughts about this concept of bringing Idris as she's dying back to the control room and what she does to House? Any thought about that? Yeah, I'll just mention first that how awesome that our doctor is always 10 steps ahead of, you know, his foe. (laughs) He knows there's a safety protocol uh, our holodeck people will <laughs> talk about there that prevents a section of the TARDIS from being deleted uh, without saving the occupants and the doctor knows this and he uses this uses this to his advantage to get back on the main console room so that in itself I thought was just great that the doctor's tricking you know in a sense this entity into to bringing to bringing them to where he wants to be. So just great stuff there. And um, yeah, I kind of saw the end coming because I knew that the energy had to go back somewhere. So in in that sense, I kind of saw that part coming, but it still, you know, was in, was was very impactful to see, um, you know, uh, uh, Idris the well the target the target energy go back into the console. And, you know, the doctor didn't hesitate to be in that moment and enjoy that moment of, you know, 
house basically getting destroyed because because he was like, you know, you had this, you got this coming. We gave you every opportunity. You that hey, I've gave you an out. This this is where we are. And he relished in that moment. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that struck me this time. I don't think I remembered for some reason, but uh, but yeah, the doctor, as you know, the TARDIS is basically you know tearing house to pieces. Is sort of how I envision that. The doctor saying, "Finish him!" Wow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah, he he asked for it. I can't step away from the fact of how dark that is. Not that I yeah. disagree with it. It's I dark. just, you know, it's 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 that tough decision because one of the entities has to be housed, no pun intended, inside the, the that frame that is the TARDIS, and obviously that frame belongs to her. He is the invading entity, so yes, he has to be expunged. But in a way, the Doctor is basically saying, "Kill him." Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying he didn't deserve it, but it's still a bit of a surprise. It is still a bit of surprised of, of especially with the doctors, the darkness of the way Matt Smith brilliantly says something like, you know, get them girl or or, go do it and whatever, however it was, he said it, he said it with like a darkness and very well played. So one last thing that I want to go over before I ask you guys, do you have any other things that you would like to mention is the goodbye or the hello, I should call it. What did you think of this conversation between the doctor and the TARDIS? And Lee, I'll start with you this time. Well, I knew I was going to cry again when I watched it and I did. It is just the saddest the saddest thing, and 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 beautiful, and uh, you'll notice that uh, Matt Smith, um, his performance is is part of what sells it because he's he's crying. And how many times have you seen the Doctor move to tears like that? Yeah. Um, this is this is in the that great long life of his, filled with all these experiences, he's never even considered the possibility of this happening and it's so beautiful and so wonderful and then now almost as quickly as it began it's over it's yeah brilliant it's it's incredible yeah clarence yeah i don't don't know if i can add anything to that um just the wonderful moment and yeah yeah just just having that brief time to latch on and then it's gone away but not really gone so I guess there's some solace in knowing that she's still there yep. in some shape, form, or fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all really needed that that moment where the doctor's alone and the handle moves itself. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay. Did you notice since then there seemed to be more interaction? You know, the doctor has always, even in the classic, you know, kind of talked at the TARDIS. But, uh, you know, look at the end of uh, The Doctor Falls, where the Doctor is, you know, saying spoilers, talking about regeneration. And, you know, they land and he says something to the effect, wherever you've taken me now, I'm not listening. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, even, yeah. you know, they've, they've had this written in from that point forward of the Doctor and the TARDIS communicating with each other. And whether it be by sound or by, you know, whether it be by lights or the cloister bell or whatever, or, or, or by actions of where the TARDIS has sent him, it's, they still had that communication going on. Yeah. And I, f- I forgot what it means when you give, what, what what's the definition when you give feeling to ina- inanimate objects? Um, I forgot what that term is called. Yeah, anthropomorphism. Yeah, that's or, it. Well, is that right? I think I think this, yeah, because uh, that literally means making the thing into a person. But yeah, anyway. But but all this time he's been calling this machine, you know, sexy, you know, <laughs> and I don't know. It's just something special about having that machine have a life and talk back to you, you know. <laughs> and that's you know that's my name now, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So many wonderful moments. Um, between those two, just remembering old times and bonding, bonding over things that were already there, you know, um, 
that's been a part of them over over the years. Yeah. I got to say this real quick before I forget it. I, one of her, my favorite lines that she said was something to the effect, you're always picking up strays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It, it's, it's, it's a fair accusation. <laughs> because the one constant other than the doctor since the episode number one, An Unearthly Child, is the TARDIS. That's the mm-hmm. only other constant other than the doctor that stayed around all this time is the TARDIS. And, and yeah. the, all those, and and the fact that he always picks up <laughs> all strays. those strays, yes, yeah. So, so, that's so, true. question for for you guys: Why is it called the Doctor's Wife? I have a that's, theory. That's a good question. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was self-explanatory that, that that's that's really who she is. I, I that's who the TARDIS is. Um, mm. If there's anybody that he has that kind of relationship with voluntarily. Um, it's the TARDIS. And I, you know, I, I guess there are a lot of different ways to read it, but I, I guess I just always thought this is actually pretty transparent. It's that's, that's really who she is. See, well, what's so interesting is as transparent as that may be to you, it mm. looked completely transparently different to me. Cause yeah. think about it. When you get these episode titles in advance and you see these, um, episode titles and you see one that says the doctor's wife and you know that season five ends with uh river saying you'll find out who i am very shortly and that's when everything changes yeah the doctor's wife i went into this thinking oh cool this is going to be an episode about river mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure i did too yeah and then i'm yeah, happy just was- you know, with what I got. And Idris's message from the future, from the doctor's future, is the only water in the forest is, is the, the river. river. Mm. So, yeah, that that's why I'm saying I think you could read it a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Is is this episode called The Doctor's Wife because because that that suggestion has been planted there? Or, you know, is, is that what that's about? Or, uh, you know, stay tuned. Mm. Yeah, I, I will say that, Cal, this this episode has two quotes you keep quoting, which is the 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 only uh, water in the forest is a river. That one, and also you keep on with the desktop themes. Uh, I think I've heard you say those two so the, many times. The, what the desktop? <laughs> so you must really love this episode. Oh, I do, and I love you know the only water in the forest is the river. Absolutely. But trying to prepare for this episode, you know, I was trying to pick out my favorite quote and I was just, you know, going through the episode thinking, oh, it's got to be that one. Oh, no. What am I saying? It's got to be this one. Oh, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> on and on and on. So. And, and, you know, this is weird how our brains work in some sometimes because I've watched this episode many times. I don't know how many times, but I've watched it yeah. at least 10 to 15 times over the years. It's, you know. One that I do like, obviously. That being said, every single time I watch it, I forget that she is not the one who directly says the only water in the forest is the river. I have it in my head that when she and the doctor are up there talking, she tells him the only water in the forest is the river, not Rory. Yeah, but in fact, she tells Rory. Yep. And I didn't know this until reading it um well, yeah, I read it on IMDb, but some of the gibberish that she's speaking when, when they just say she's mad, she's saying uh, the only water in the forest is the river backwards. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, that is cool. Maybe they didn't have the, maybe they didn't have a word for uh, maybe they didn't have a way of speaking in the right order. You know, who knows? <laughs> All right. So, gentlemen, quick question. Do you have any other topics that we have not covered that you would like to bring up before we get to our favorite scene? The the doctor, when he's sort of figuring out who House is, he says that the planet is like a it's like a sea urchin that is all hard on the outside. But there's um, there's a living thing on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's very interesting because. That that can't be a coincidence. I mean, Neil Gaiman is a very literate person who's read a lot. <laughs> um, 
one of the reasons why I'm such a fan of uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is not just Sherlock Holmes, but he also wrote some great, great science fiction stories. And one of them has the unfortunately spoilery title of The Day the Earth Screamed. But the whole conceit of it is, is that there's there's um, guys who are who are trying to dig. It's it's this is Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> they're trying to dig uh, down into the the crust of the Earth to sort of see what's down there, um, just as in uh, uh, Cold Blood, um, the Hungry Earth. But in, in this episode, uh, the, when they penetrate the Earth's crust, it isn't um, Silurians that they find, but the Earth screams and sends their their whole mining apparatus shooting into the air. Um, and mm. well, yeah, what we've discovered is that the earth, one of the characters in the story says is um, alive. It's basically like a giant sea urchin. Ah. It's really tough on the outside, but there's a living thing inside. Interesting. Mm, so I think, you know, Gaiman is tipping his hat towards Sir Arthur there. So I love that. All signs. All right. So, Clarence, any other things from you before we get into our favorite scene? Uh, real quick, uh, the Bubble Universe, I thought that was interesting. And the whole, you know, Cardiff-esque riff energy that was mentioned in the episode, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So, Clarence, I'll ask you. I'll start this round with you. Favorite scene. What was your favorite scene? Oh, easily had to be seeing the old TARDIS console. I just was shocked, like Lee mentioned up top, that they even still have it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that was great. That was great. Um, it was cool seeing our newer companions in that old, older desktop theme, as they put it. I, I really love seeing that. So that's, the, yeah, that's my favorite scene. Awesome. You know what? I'll follow up and say, that's my favorite scene, too. All right, Lee, what say ye? about the TARDIS consoles, just that whole chase through space with the, the doctor and Idris clinging to the, this <laughs> thing that they built with the giant whizzing, glowing ball of energy around them. It's just, yeah, yeah. They, 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 this has got to be an expensive episode. If you think about it, about, about the, the graveyard of ships and things that yeah. we see and you know, up in the sky and uh, it's just, wow. <laughs> it's just amazing. But that, that chase just uh, just knocks me out every time. I love it. All right. Favorite quote. You know what? I'll start this one. My, Please. My favorite quote. I know this is going to be a stretch. I know you're not going to believe it, but it's true. Favorite <laughs> quote is, the only water in the forest is the river. There's so many lines from this that, you know, I, I could give you, you know, um, the gold, silver, and bronze medals here, but but the line from this episode that I find myself saying, you know, in other contexts from time to time, is, did you wish really hard? <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And the doctor says, shut up. Not like that. <laughs> and Idris says, hello, I'm sexy. <laughs> the doctor says, still shut up. <laughs> she's a woman so, and she's the TARDIS. Did you wish really hard? hard. (laughs) (laughs) Clarence Brown, favorite quote. Yeah. Uh, So mine would be the, uh, the, the, the quote about when they were talking about stealing the TARDIS and, uh, he just says, you stole me and I stole, and I stole you. I borrowed you. Bard implies the eventual intention to return the thing that was taken. What makes you think I'll ever give you back? And I just love the way they twisted the words there. It's beautiful. Uh, yep. So good. So so well, good. And certainly we certainly we have to to mention um that when when the doctor is really good and mad and House tries to intimidate him and he says, Fear me, I've killed hundreds of time oh, yes. lords. Mm. The doctor mm. says, Fear me, I killed all of them. Oh, so good. Oof. So yeah. good. Awesome. <laughs> Final rating. And you know what? I will have so much fun saying this. Final writing, I will give it five water-filled forests that's called rivers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. What? Five water-filled forests called rivers. There you go. Mm. Loved it. Clarence Brown. I will give it five desktop themes out of five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Good deal. Lee Shackelford. I'm going to give it five whiffs of petrichor Ooh, <laughs> very good mm, you haven't asked me yet 
All right, so it's finally time for our closing. So instead of asking where else can you be found on the Internet, I'm going to switch it up and ask, Lee, what are you watching right now that you're enjoying? Oh, uh, my wife and I have just finished binging all of the original Perry Mason TV series, all of the episodes that are available. There are two whole seasons that I guess for some you know, rights and permissions reason are not uh, not out there. So now we're on the quest to find seasons six and nine of the original Perry Mason. But um, yeah, we've, we've just had the best time watching this show that, you know, was on when I was a little kid, but it didn't interest me in the slightest. So, but uh, yeah, we, we have, we've had great fun with original uh, Perry Mason. Awesome. Clarence Brown, what about you? I will say I attempted to watch the new pair, Mason on HBO Max. And, yeah. uh, man, I, I couldn't get into it. And I yeah. love Tatiana Maslany. I just. No. It <laughs> just, mm. uh, we, we watched, we watched enough of that to say, well, this is not Perry Mason. It's just, yeah. it's just not. It's just, yeah. I mean, he's a private eye for one thing. I mean, and Perry Mason is the, the prototype of the good lawyer. I mean, that's. <laughs> Yeah. That's what the, that's what the story's about. Anyway. Yeah, I tried watching it and I couldn't get into it either. Yeah. But I will say if you have Disney Plus, you definitely should be checking out Mandalorian season 2, which we just got chapter 9, The Marshal this past week. Definitely wow, some good stuff. Am I behind? 9? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Nine, well, it's only 9 episodes in, so it's not that much kept yeah, up on. But but but, but it's uh, also known as season 2 episode 1. <laughs> I see. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's just yeah, continuing yeah. not, not, continuing not season 2 episode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yes. And for me, I think I've mentioned before that I have been binging Elementary. Speaking of Sherlock, we've mentioned him mm-hmm. before and I am about Five episodes away from the end of series or season seven. So I've almost completely watched the whole series within probably five weeks. So loved it, binged it. it go check it out. It's awesome. So gentlemen, thank you for being this interlude on this major night in American history. So I appreciate and for everyone listening, thank you for joining us and we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.